Welcome to the Smeichel Speaks podcast channel. I'm Joanne Smeichel, and I'm delighted that you tuned in for relevant leadership learning that will help you continue to soar. Enjoy this episode. I have a friend. Her name's Dot, and ooh, she's so much fun. She is just the most effervescent, alive, full of energy, 79-year-old person that you've ever met. She's witty as heck, and she always makes me think. So she and I were discussing a problem that was shared with us by a mutual friend whose name I'm not going to mention. We weren't gossiping. The friend had told us both in detail about the problem, so we're just discussing it. And this friend, the nameless one, she had really bravely extricated herself from an unfulfilling, unhappy, unhealthy situation. And we were so proud of her because it took a lot of strength to do that. But she decided to return. My friend Dot, the very wise woman, said, well, she's going back. She's going to be the grass. And he's going to be the lawnmower. Initially, I cracked up. I mean, I really cracked up. I mean, the grass and the lawnmower. Um, But then Dot and I talked about it, and she said some really important things. She said, when we've had the opportunity to grow and to flourish, we should treasure the growth and protect it. She said, if we make the decision to return to the environment that thwarted growth, it's very likely that we're going to be cut down. That's where her grass and the lawnmower quip came from. And I kept thinking about the situation and I started wondering, what would it take to protect the growth of the grass? So I'm going to share some of my thoughts with you on that. And I'm sharing them because I think there are times in life when all of us face toxic people. They may be in our homes, our workplaces, our community, our houses of worship. We can really find them just about anywhere. And there's no trick or magic bullet for extricating ourselves from toxic relationships or toxic environments. But I am going to share a few strategies that have worked in my life. The first thing that I've had to do is to define what's toxic. What's toxic? What is toxic for me? Are there people, situations, organizations, entanglements, involvements that just aren't serving me well? And when I say not serving me well, I mean not affirming. I mean that for some reason they're draining spiritually, emotionally, mentally, psychologically. I want to give you a few things to consider when you're determining whether a relationship is toxic. And I'm not just talking about love affairs. I'm talking about employment, friendships, just about any relationship you can imagine. So here are the five questions that I want you to ask yourself. Are you unhappy when you're in their presence, in that environment, doing that activity? Do you dread being at the place or with the people? Have you noticed changes in your health? Blood pressure, anxiety, sleeplessness, sleeping too much. Are you feeling unfairly criticized? Have you become overly critical? Those are five questions that I really want you to ponder. Because more complex 
toxicity isn't always glaring. Sometimes we really have to put some thought into all of the nuances of the relationships, the interactions, the entanglements. Defining what's toxic for you means that you have to pay attention to how you're feeling really deep down inside. Sometimes I put on a smile when I'm really gritting my teeth or crying inside or experiencing some other emotion that really doesn't lend itself to a smile. We have to turn up our awareness to our feelings to break toxic patterns in our lives. When I make myself, when I force myself to look at the relationship, I have no choice other than to step out of denial. I've had to do this with friendships. I've had to do this with volunteer commitments. I had to do it early in my career with my then employer. And let me tell you, breaking that toxic employment relationship enabled me to start this consulting business. I am a big believer in choices. We all have choices. Stay, go, whatever. I think there's value in weighing pros and cons. The friend I mentioned in the beginning, the nameless one, um, she weighed the pros and cons of her situation and decided to return. When we had a chance to talk about it, and I mean really talk about it, I realized that her decision to return was in part because she felt she'd fare better financially if she went back to the lawnmower. She also talked about how much economic security means to her. That's valid. It's important to her. We all have to look at toxic or potentially toxic situations and decide whether the pros outweigh the cons. This really gives us a glimpse into our deepest held values. I think it tells us a lot, a lot, a lot about how much we value ourselves. So. Let's just say you decided to pull out of dysfunction or toxicity. Some situations are really easy to walk away from, but others are more complex, more complicated. So let's deal with the more complex situations. Remember the title is The Grass and the Lawnmower. The goal is not to be cut down by the lawnmower, and you have to keep that in the forefront of your mind. As you start the process of figuring out how to break ties, I think it's helpful to figure out where are the holes in your life. I went through a period where there were a whole lot of holes. I wasn't deeply grounded spiritually. I don't know that I was intentional or purposeful or as intentional or as purposeful as I needed to be. There were probably some holes in my heart, too. You know what? That's not a probably. Um, there were definitely some holes in my heart. And it's those holes that sometimes lead us to accept what is really unacceptable. When you figure out what's missing, you can think about healthy ways to fill those holes. They may be big, deep craters that require therapy. They may be smaller. Whatever the size, escaping toxicity requires us to take stock of what's missing and then decide how to create the fulfillment that we need to be in healthy relationship with ourselves first and then others. 
Before I go any further, I need to talk about guilt. I need to address guilt. Um, I can't tell you how many people I work with who are in crazy dysfunctional organizations who tell me that they feel guilty about leaving. Some tell me that they feel like they'll be letting their team down. Others tell me that they don't want to give up and will feel guilty if they throw in the towel. And, and other people tell me that guilt's just part of their nature. I hear people say they feel guilty about potentially hurting other people by deciding to make changes in their lives. And I've heard people say that they feel guilty because their success is going to outshine others, so they think it's better to just lay low. I've even heard people say that they feel guilty because they stayed too long and they may as well stay the course. We've got to check those kinds of thoughts because letting go of guilt is how we heal. You know, guilt is something that I don't know about other people, but for me, I have to often be attuned to it because if I don't tune in, it creeps in and takes over. It really does. You'll always be the grass if you don't free yourself from the guilt. You'll always be susceptible to the lawnmowers of the world. And there's no secret trick for getting beyond guilt. But you can start by forgiving yourself for whatever transgressions you think you've committed. If you stayed too long in an organization, give yourself a break. You made an investment that may or may not have been a good one. If it was a relationship, forgive yourself because you made decisions based on who you were, what you felt, and what you knew at the time. Forgiving you is liberating. It's hard. I know when I struggle with self-compassion, I know how hard I struggle with self-compassion. It's, you know, it's a constant effort to erase and replace. That's the negative thoughts that we have to erase, the thoughts that are not affirming and replace them with more positive ones. And that's become my silent motto um, to control my self-talk. Erase and replace, erase and replace. So I want to move to a few more action steps that you can take to avoid being the grass with a looming lawnmower. I talked about the internal assessment and dealing with guilt. Once those things are underway, you can tackle the steps that allow you to create or to find a healthy environment. You have to have a support system. You must, you must, you must. You cannot go it alone. If you don't have people who encourage, affirm, and bolster you, it's time for you to move some people out and move some others in. You need and deserve to have the support that's required to decrease distress. Find people. Now, I want you to be wise and be judicious. Find people that you can trust enough to lean on. And I say be wise and judicious because some listening ears are accompanied by running mouths. You want people worthy of your trust. I've been both a supporter and supported, as most people have. It's important to give your supporters a break. They get tired, too. They can develop compassion fatigue. Make sure you've got a few trusted allies and that you consider their needs as well. 
The next action step is to act and act decisively. Make a decision and then stand by it. I am not saying that we don't get to reevaluate, consider other perspectives, and change our minds. Of course we do. But when it's toxic, whatever the it is, when it's dysfunctional, you know that you have to make changes, so make them. Trust yourself. Stand by the choices that you made. Acting decisively means ending contact in many cases. You know, I've been witnessing a sad situation, a really sad situation. A woman decided she was going to leave this executive level position. She'd been in it for more than 10 years, had long tenure with the organization, had been promoted, promoted, promoted. But they got a new CEO and she didn't get along with her. And she managed to offend a lot of the power brokers in the organization and a lot of the stakeholders. The prior CEO had just kind of overlooked this stuff, but this new one was like, oh, no. So the truth be told, she was contributing to the toxicity in the organization. And truth be told, her departure was a good thing. She didn't see it that way. Um, And she hasn't been able to let go. She's constantly texting her former staff, inviting them to lunch. She researched her replacement on LinkedIn and told her former staff all about the woman's shortcomings and the experience she doesn't have. So she's stirring the pot and making the environment more toxic, and she's not letting go. She's holding on to something that she should have let go of when she turned in her resignation. We do this in different ways. You know, we cyberstalk our exes. We inquire about the situations we've left. We intentionally cross paths with, you know, exes and people that we don't need to be crossing paths with anymore. We're just indecisive. But here's the deal. You can't hold on and move on. So you've got to make a decision and then live with it. Now, let's be real. There are some people we can't cut all contact with. That may be a family member or someone whose life is somehow intertwined with yours. Maybe it's a colleague or a boss or for some reason you've decided it's in your best interest to stay. In these cases, your decisive action can be to limit contact. Find ways to limit interactions and to have interactions on terms that you deem acceptable. I want to share an example. Um, There's a young woman in my life, and she's in her early 20s. Her mother had some mental health issues that have gone pretty much untreated. Um, And even separate and apart from her mental health issues, she just has always been a difficult person, Um, even without the psych problems, always been self-absorbed. So her mom didn't raise her. Her uncle stepped in and took custody of her when she was in grade school, maybe eight years old, nine years old. He died a couple of years ago. And now she and her mother, they're starting to build a relationship. But what the daughter is finding is that it's taxing, it's draining, it's depleting. She really finds her mother's abusive language and her self-absorbed behavior to be a lot to deal with, to be too much to deal with. Now, she doesn't want to have absolutely no contact with her mother 
because that was her experience when she was growing up. So she's made this decision. She said, I'm going to see her once a month. And if she goes on a rant, I'm going to leave. She also has decided not to respond to the abusive texts that her mother sometimes sends. Um, She has stopped trying to bring rationality to an irrational person. Let me tell you, this young woman is wise beyond her years. She is so much more insightful than I was when I was her age. And she's really working hard to establish boundaries and to limit contact. It's not easy for her, but it's protecting her from the toxicity. Now, if you've gotten out of the path of the lawnmower, it's time for the grass to grow even more. This is when you can expand your interests, create new connections and new hobbies. This is when you can free yourself to grow without any hindrances. Think about things you wish you'd done. Think about things that you dared not try. Think about things you want to explore. These are the things that you can and should do. My unnamed friend who sparked this podcast used the time when she was away from the lawnmower to start volunteering. She started going to lunch with friends. She started going to live jazz performances. She started eating healthy. She tried new foods. She started enjoying the theater. Uh, She connected with people who offered her unconditional love. She joined a church. Her world opened up in ways that she'd never imagined or considered. Freedom from toxicity will open new doors and new windows. I've got colleagues and clients who talk about how when they left the wrong work environment and went to something new, they had opportunities to learn and to grow in ways that they never imagined. When my best and oldest and dearest friend changed jobs this year, she bloomed like a flower. She's gone to an environment where she's respected for her knowledge, her experience, her skills, her abilities, her connections, her competence. She's free to try new approaches that were frowned on in the old job. She's free to collaborate with external stakeholders. She's free to build new external relationships for the company. It's great for her to have the opportunity to do more, to be more, and to contribute more. Now, here's the thing people often don't want to talk about. They don't want to talk about money. They don't want to talk about finances, but they're real. You have to deal with economic realities. I don't care if you're leaving your job, your partner, your city, your church, your sorority, whatever lawnmower you're moving away from, there are most probably economic realities. Fix your finances as best you can. I'm not saying wait until you win the lottery to free yourself from toxicity. I am saying be strategic. Plan as best you can. Be willing to face the financial realities of your situation and then be willing to address them. The friend whose situation inspired this podcast came to the conclusion that she could have more travel, more money, more clothes, a bigger house more financial stability, another vacation house if she returned. Look, don't judge. Do not judge. Those things matter to her. They give her a sense of security, a sense of status. 
And we all have different values that we need to acknowledge. We all have different needs buried in there. The last thing that I'm going to say probably should have been the first thing, and that's come up with a plan or a strategy. Breaking free of toxicity is not easy. It takes grit and determination. You have to be purposeful about self-preservation and self-advocacy and sometimes self-promotion. Your plan's going to be different from mine. It has to be useful to you, but you got to have a plan. So here's what I want to say as I wrap this up. You don't have to be the grass in the path of a lawnmower. You have choices and plenty of them. All grass deserves to grow. Create connections with positive people who are going to provide you with sunshine, water, and nutrients, all those things that you need to really flourish. Understand that we all deserve to be in life-affirming environments. We deserve to share our space with people who bring their best and inspire our best. I'm going to say this one more time. All grass deserves to grow. I hope that a few of the points I've raised help you fertilize your lawn. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you got tools that you'll actually use and share. Subscribe if you haven't already. I add new and relevant leadership learning all of the time. If you haven't visited the Smichael Speaks YouTube channel, check it out. There's all sorts of new content. All of this is virtual leadership learning that will help you soar.